Um, we're, in, uh, we're in the season of Advent, and the reason, uh, the, the reason we even observe such a season, uh, that word Advent, I, I mentioned this last week, that word Advent is a Latin word, and it means coming. It means we're waiting on someone to arrive. And so we, uh, we, we pause in the year to do a special series and this year, we're looking at the first part of Matthew's gospel, Matthew's story about Jesus. And uh, we're looking at the, what some of you, if you've grown up in church or been around church, might be familiar with as the Christmas story. We're looking at but hopefully we're looking at it with some new eyes. And so we're going um, to read Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. And just to remind you, um, last week... We read a long list of names that are hard to pronounce. And what that tells us, that's the way Matthew starts his gospel. He tells us about Jesus' family tree. And what we saw is that Jesus' family tree, like my family tree and your family tree, is about as dysfunctional as it comes. That Jesus is born out of a broken humanity so that he can save a broken humanity. Uh, He has good people in his family tree, and he has wicked people in his family tree, and sometimes those people are the same person, right? So this morning, we're actually going to look at the flip side of that same message. Yes, Jesus is born a human. Jesus is born into a broken world, but Jesus comes from somewhere else. You see, Jesus is not just like us. He is different from us, and this morning we're going to see how. And so let's read Matthew 18 through, uh, Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, And unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Father, for many of us, this is a familiar story, and for many of us, it's not. So, Lord, for both, uh, for both of those groups of people, I pray that you would preach truth, that you would bring the eternal realities that are present in this passage, and that you would bring them to bear on our hearts, that we would be different people as a result of learning about how Jesus was born, but also really as a result of believing on Jesus himself. 
So, Father, would you bless the reading, the hearing, and now the preaching of your holy word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Like I said, if last week we learned that Jesus comes from a family, right, comes from a tradition, comes from a humanity like ours, broken, fallen, warts, flaws, today we learn that Jesus is not altogether like us. And in fact, in order for us to be saved, as this passage talks about, in order for us to be rescued, we need Jesus to be from somewhere else. Jesus has to come from somewhere else. And so here is what Christmas is. Christmas is the celebration that God is born a man to save man from himself. God is born a human. I mean, that, that phrase right there, just think, think about what I just said. God is born a human. That phrase in and of itself ought to be kind of a, a, a mind-blowing sort of thing that you just don't run right by it. That whatever your religious background may be, the idea that, that God would draw close in such a way, not to, just, not to just appear or look like a man, but actually become a man, that, that in and of itself is, is mind-blowing. But God is born a human to save humans, to save us from our sins, to save us from ourselves. How does he do that? Well, he sends a virgin, a baby. Just look at what Matthew writes there. The birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. What's your, uh, what's your favorite, don't say this out loud, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Right, everybody, just one came to mind, right? You, like it's all the familiar scenes, uh, all the familiar lines. You quote them every year. I saw Cousin Eddie in the parade in Clanton uh, on Friday night. So if you don't know who Cousin Eddie and his bathrobe are, then you're missing one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time, which is not a family. I, that's not an endorsement. You shouldn't let your kids watch that movie. Um, but, um, right, you, you all kind of have in your mind what your favorite Christmas movie or Christmas song or Christmas story is. But aren't there, aren't there some stories that are so familiar that they don't even, they don't even trip an alarm anymore right it's like a, it's like a familiar friend coming through the door you don't even really get up anymore to welcome them in they're just kind of there right they you, you don't even get up from the couch to to greet them anymore they just come in and they sit down and i think this story is is like that sorry my boy band mike is getting in my mouth this story is like that i mean did you did you just notice that a virgin has a baby. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to go into the technical details, um, but that's impossible, right? I mean, we we talk about jokingly sometimes, right? We say our children are a surprise, or we we use sometimes the phrase unplanned pregnancy. But in reality, if we, I mean, nothing's really a surprise, 
okay? Um, but Mary could be legitimately surprised. She is a virgin, and she is with child. What in the world? If you would, flip over to the Gospel of Luke. Luke also tells about Jesus. He tells the story of Jesus, but um, he includes some different information, and he does this from Mary's perspective in Luke chapter 1. In verse 26, starting in verse 26, an angel appears to this young girl named Mary. To a, verse 27, to a virgin betrothed, this angel Gabriel comes to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Let's talk for just a second. When you read that word betrothed, that's a little bit different. It's a lot different, actually, than what we're familiar with as engagement. In Mary and Joseph's day, to be betrothed, you'd already made promises. In a sense, you'd already made your vows. You had promised faithfulness to each other. But betrothal lasted for about a year while the husband-to-be got the home ready, and then he would come and get his wife, and then the marriage would be consummated it would be fulfilled completed but there was this period of betrothal where you were considered in one sense husband and wife and the only way that a betrothal could be broken off it wasn't like an engagement where you could just break it off and say hey listen this is a bad idea let's not do this in a betrothal the only way to to end the betrothal like a marriage was through the process of divorce and so that's where mary and joseph find themselves. So in Luke's gospel, this angel comes to this young girl named Mary. And in verse 31, he says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. You can imagine young Mary's probably a little bit surprised by this information. The angel goes on, verse 32, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And I love that Mary has a very honest question. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, How will this be? How in the world is this going to happen since I am a virgin? Literally, since I do not know a man. How's this, how is this possible? And the angel tells her, verse 35, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And so, Mary asks, How is it possible that I'm going to conceive a child? I've never known a man. I don't know a man right now. Uh, and I'm betrothed. And the, whole, and the angel says, God's going to do it. The same Holy Spirit who is present at creation, uh, who is present when all of life was created, he's going to do it. The same Holy Spirit that Jesus talks about later on in John 3, who gives new birth, who causes our hearts to be transformed and born again, he's going to do it. He is going to create a life in a virgin womb. Why? So this child can be called holy. So this child can be called 
the Son of God. And what that tells us, sorry, what that tells us is that we need more than what we have to, to offer. Let me, let, me, let me explain. Let's go a little bit more into the story. Um, Joseph, so as soon as Mary gets that information, as soon as Mary gets that information, she leaves town. She, she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, uh, who's also had a miraculous birth story. You can read about that in Luke's Gospel. She spends some time with her, comes back about three to four months later. So now she's showing. Joseph is not privy to the dream. All he knows is that the girl that he is betrothed to is pregnant. And so you can imagine his shock. You can imagine his sorrow, this woman that he has pledged himself to. She's actually broken her pledge. Clearly, she has been unfaithful. There's no way to cover it up. And so Joseph, it says uh, back in Matthew's gospel, uh, verse 19, Joseph being a just man, a righteous man. Joseph loved to do good. He loved God's word. He loved to do right. And so Joseph has a dilemma. What do I do with Mary? Being a just man... And unwilling to put her to shame. And I love this in particular, that Joseph's, Joseph being righteous is unwilling to openly disgrace his wife. He is unwilling to publicly shame. He had, now, understand this. He has every right to. According to Old Testament law, according to Jewish law, Mary could actually be stoned. She could be executed for her infidelity. And Joseph could drag her in front of the courts and make this a very public, nasty deal. But he also has the option to just simply hand her a bill of divorce. That would, be, that would have been allowable for Joseph to do. And so Joseph, because he is righteous, is unwilling to shame his wife openly. He's unwilling to publicly disgrace her, and so he plans to just divorce her quietly. But as he's thinking about these things... As he's settling his mind on it, he, he, gets a, he gets a dream. He gets a vision. And what does the angel say? Joseph, son of David. It's interesting that um, Joseph's father was not named David. Joseph's father was named Jacob. But the angel is pointing Joseph to his heritage. And he's pointing to Jesus' heritage. And he's reminding him that he's a part of King David's family. If you remember some of what we talked about last week, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So twice now we have reference to the Holy Spirit. Twice in this passage we have reference to the fact that Mary does not know a man. Why? Why is that so important? Why does Jesus need to be born of a virgin? And the answer is this. this is why, and this is why the virgin birth, which is a doctrine crucial to Christianity, here's why it's so crucial. If Jesus is not born of a virgin, then history is doomed to repeat itself. Right? The first 17 verses of Matthew's gospel already tell us that humanity can't fix its own problems. That we keep doing the same thing over and over again. That we are a broken record 
because of our sin nature, because of our nature that we inherit from our parents, and they inherited from their parents, and they inherited from their parents, going all the way back to Adam and Eve. We are broken, not just on the outside, but are broken deep down. And if you have any doubts that this is true for your own life, just come live with my family for 24 hours, right? Um, when, I'm not, when I'm not putting on the face, come see what my children are like when we're, you know, not watching them like hawks. Uh, if you haven't spent a lot of time around young children, if you, if you have spent a lot of time around young children, you don't have to be convinced that we're born sinful, Okay. Uh, if you haven't spent a lot of time around young children, just get around some, and it doesn't take long. Right? The reason that we have to correct our children is because we're born uncorrected, that there is something deeply flawed about us, each and every one of us, and apart from God's intervention, we are, we are born with a default mode of me, myself, and I. I will worship and serve me at your expense whenever I possibly can. That is the nature of humanity. And when the angel tells Mary that the Holy Spirit will cause Jesus to be born, that Jesus, so that Jesus can be called holy, what he's telling her is that Jesus will be different. He will be like Adam, but he will not be Adam. He will have Adam's flesh and blood But he will not have Adam's sin. Jesus is like us. He has our nature. But he also has a different nature. He has the nature of God. And because he does, he will be flawless. He will be perfect. He will be holy. We cannot save ourselves. We need a holy Savior and so God in his grace must intervene. That's what, look, whenever, whenever you have a miracle, especially a big miracle like this one, what that means is that God is putting the natural order on hold and doing something to intervene. God, what, what, what happens in a miracle is that God puts nature in its place and he supernaturally acts. And in this case, he does it to show that Unless Jesus is born of the Spirit, we are, we are doomed to die. History is doomed to repeat itself. And so God sends a virgin, a baby. And then there's more. The angel tells Joseph how the baby gets there. And then he tells him this, she will bear a son. This is verse 21. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Now, usually, just like today, parents get the right to pick their own children. It's actually a sign of of ownership. I don't know if you knew that about your naming of your child, but you name your child because you're the one with the authority. It, It may seem differently once that child is born, but you really are the one with the authority. And so it's interesting that that God, through the angel, tells Mary and Joseph, this is what your baby's name will be. His name will be Jesus, which is the Greek form of the Old Testament name Joshua. And the, and the word, so congratulations, if your name is Joshua, your name really is Jesus. 
Um, just kidding. Um, but the word Joshua, the Old Testament word Joshua, means the Lord saves. That's what it means. It means the Lord is salvation. And Joshua in the Old Testament was the man that God used to bring his people into their home, into their promised land. And so here we have another Joshua, a better Joshua. And he has come not to rescue people from earthly enemies. He's come to actually rescue his people from their sins. That problem we were talking about that causes you and me to worship ourselves, Jesus is coming to intervene in that. Jesus is coming to break that cycle. Jesus is coming to save us from our sins. And it says this, verse 21, call his name Jesus, for he will save. Not is going to try really hard, not is going to do his best to save, but he will save his people from their sins. And then in verse 22, he says this, all this, Matthew says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. God gave that message through a prophet named Isaiah. And in Isaiah's day, there was a wicked king named Ahaz. He was in charge of God's people. He was one of David's sons. But he was not like David. He was a bad man. And there were enemies who were about to press in and capture God's people. And so Ahaz panics because Ahaz doesn't trust God. And God sends Isaiah to Ahaz and, sa- and, 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 Ahaz, and Isaiah says, Don't worry, God will take care of your enemies. Ask him for a sign. What miracle do you want to see that will tell you that God is in control and will rescue his people? And Ahaz, who actually had already contracted with hired hitmen from another place and didn't trust God, said, "Ah, I don't want to trouble God with a miracle. I don't want to bother God. And so Isaiah rebukes him. He calls him faithless and says, here's the sign. The virgin will give birth to a son. Now, that didn't happen in Isaiah's day. Didn't happen in Ahaz's day. Now, Ahaz's enemies were defeated, The nations that were troubling God's people at that point were no longer an issue um, in just a few years. But Isaiah was pointing forward to this moment to say, God is with his people. God is going to rescue his people. And he's going to show you a sign by causing the virgin to give birth. And then he gives him this name, Emmanuel which means God with us. Now, I don't, maybe that doesn't mean anything to you. But there was this moment, way back at the very beginning, where God was with his people. It was in the garden. They they had just been created. and And God would walk together with his people. And then... Adam and Eve decided on a life apart from God. They decided to reject God. They decided to rebel against God. And so that meant 
that God was no longer with them. God could no longer dwell with them because of their sin. And the story of the whole Old Testament and the New is that even though God would repeatedly bear with his people, they would repeatedly reject him. But what God says at Christmas time is that's all going to stop because I'm sending the virgin a son. And he's going to finally and fully make good on my promise. He's going to finally and fully, it's going to finally and fully mean that God will be with us. That life will be like it was meant to be. That life will be like it was at the beginning. That's what Jesus is going to do. This is the remedy we need, what we long for. I wonder if you realize that even if you, even if you don't know God, that that sense of longing you feel, that, that hole that you keep trying to stuff with relationships, with money, uh, with other people's approval, whatever that canyon in your heart looks like, whatever you try to shovel into it to just fill it up, that the reason that canyon is there is because God is not. And that the promise of Christmas is that Jesus comes to fill that back up. That Jesus comes to be with us. He comes to bridge heaven and earth so that we can finally be with God and he can be with us. And so this news to Joseph and Mary was what they had been waiting on all along. It's what they had been waiting to hear from God for hundreds and hundreds of years. You know, at Grace Fellowship, we talk about how good God is. We talk about God's goodness and his mercy and his grace. What this passage tells us is that that is not just a general feeling, but that God's mercy and grace actually have a name. And his name is Jesus. And he's the one that we've been waiting on. And the truth be told that that little baby boy, born to Mary, named Jesus, will be the one who has nails and spears that pierce him through. The cross he bore for me, for you. Hail, hail, the Word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the good news of Christmas. That a baby was born to a virgin so that we would have a sign that you have not left us to our sins, you have not left us to ourselves, but that you have come and to rescue us, to bring us out of the pit that we have dug for ourselves. And that through the work of Jesus, through his work on the cross, and through his resurrection, we can have life, new life, all by grace, because it comes from you and not from us. And so, Father, we thank you for that good news. Lord, now as we come to the table, we pray that you would 
be at work, that you would be at work uh, through common bread and common juice as a means of grace to fill up our souls and to equip us for the road ahead. We pray it in Jesus' name.